This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. To support the Quest and being able to produce more local programming, please visit thequestatlanta.com and click the donate button. Thank you for your generosity. The Quest presents an encore presentation of Heaven's Light with Father Jim Blunt. Good afternoon, everyone. We're broadcasting from the AM 1160 The Quest studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and I'm joined in studio by Steph Ike, Carol Tearsmith, and Jack Tyson. And on the phone, we're blessed to have Father Jim Blunt with us again from the Society of Our Lady of the Trinity. How is everybody doing today, guys? We're doing great. We're, great. we're getting yeah. excited about tomorrow's pledge drive. Yeah, we're, that's right. Yeah. You want to say a little about that, Steph? It's for three days, starting tomorrow. We're going to select five hours. We have planned 9 to 10, 11 to 1, and 4 to 6 each day, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. And Carol and I kick off the very first hour, and Annie's going to be, yeah, (laughs) Annie's going to be uh, in the studio with us for all 15 hours, running the board and and, uh, jumping in with us from time to time. And Jack is also going to be a host during one of the hours. When do you have it, Jack? Is it Friday? I'm I'm on on Friday from 4 to 5 with Matt Curry, and and we've nicknamed our our hour uh, helping hour. Awesome. Awesome. We have a lot of great local uh, people from different parishes. Hello, Father. Ah, there he is. Hello. Praise the Lord. Sorry I'm running a minute late. No, you're fine. Hey, you're you're on California time, so. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that means you're actually early. I don't know. (laughs) There you go. Yes, it's still 11 o'clock here. That's right. Yes. Yes. Well, we've missed you, Father. We're glad to have you back today. Thank you, folks. It's good to be with you, especially on such a beautiful and exciting, heartwarming subject as the angels. Yes, yes, I think a lot of our listeners are excited to spend the hour listening to more about that. So I think, Jack, do you have a question? I do. I do. Hi, Father. Wait, let's hey, let let oh. Father Jim kick us off in a prayer first, oh, guys. Yes. Oh, yes. Thank absolutely. you, Annie. Thank yeah. you, Annie. Yes. You know what? Let's go ahead and do the Angelus again, team, because it highlights, you know, that particular function of the angels that Thomas Aquinas wrote about in the Summa, that the angels are actually uh, messengers. Okay. And that comes out clearly in this beautiful and traditional prayer. So we'll pray the angels together. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, And she conceived conceived of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray Pray for for us sinners. Spread the effective grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, Queen of the angels, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Spread the effective grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray Pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, most holy Mother of God. That we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and his cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. May mighty God bless you all in the studio and all of our beloved listeners with special angelic graces and protections today 
In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Father. I'll, I'll kick it off um, uh, this afternoon. You know, two weeks ago, last time we were all together, we prayed uh, St. Michael the Archangel Chapel, but we sort of ran a little short on time, and we, we weren't able to, to finish the closing prayers. First, could you recap for, for our listeners who were able not, uh, not able to join us a couple weeks ago why you recommend praying the St. Michael the Archangel Chaplet? Yes, thank you, Jack. Well, I guess one of the first reasons I would recommend it is because it's the fruit of an approved apparition, where St. Michael himself appeared to a holy Catholic nun. She actually was a Carmelite named Antonia. I'm not quite sure how to pronounce her last name, but I think it's Antonia de Astonicio, something like that. It's mm-hmm. a Portuguese name. A holy woman of God. The angel appeared to her, it was tested and approved by the Church, and the Holy Father himself approved it. I think it was Pope Pius IX. I need to double-check that. But the Roman pontiff himself gave the blessing in the imprimatur. So it's always good, especially when doing spiritual warfare, using a deeply spiritual prayers, to use prayers that have been tested and approved by the Church. The secondly is that we're living in a time of such intense spiritual warfare, so much so that St. John Paul the Great, Pope John Paul, while he was still with us on the earth, he made this statement at least twice publicly. John Paul said that mankind is involved now in the greatest battle between light and darkness since the flood of Noah. Hmm. And that was a pretty bad time when God had to destroy the earth and just save one family, Noah's family, in the ark. John Paul said we live in a time that has more spiritual warfare than that time. Then he said, John Paul said a second time in another conference, that mankind is involved in the greatest battle since the fall of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Now this is kind of amazing for a Roman pontiff, for the infallible Pope to say things like this. But that's a good, you might say, certification that you're not imagining things. We're in a battle unlike any other right now. And the main source of the warfare would be Satan and the fallen angels. And they are the ones, you might say, behind all the machinations we're seeing. Even, I just mentioned this right off the cuff, the media in the United States of America and throughout the world is so patently dishonest. And it just needs to be mentioned, not with hatred, maybe not even with anger, but righteous anger, of course, is appropriate. But we receive so much dishonesty and deception from the media. And that's a sign of Lucifer himself. You see, he is a liar. And the Lord told us in the Gospel that Satan is a liar and a thief and a murderer from the beginning. So we see on every level the the signs or the fingerprints of our common enemy. All the lies of the media is unbelievable. Then all the sexual immorality, that God is a God of chastity and purity. And so we are called to be, all of us, no exceptions, we're all called to be pure. Not that it's not a struggle. We have to pray our rosaries every day, you know, to be pure, to stay pure. It's a struggle, but it's worth it. So we see this, the mark of the beast, you might say, in an unprecedented corruption of morals throughout the whole world, especially because of the iPads, the internets, the phones, the computers, the television. There's another sign that this battle is unprecedented, and also violence, which may well increase, you know, in the months to come. So we're in a spiritual battle against Lucifer and the fallen angels, and they will manipulate, you know, human instruments, like the New World Order and things like that. They will manipulate human instruments, like those who developed this Corona-19 virus in a lab. Why would human beings develop a virus that can kill their fellow human beings? Why? Except for germ warfare, you see? Mm-hmm. So we're living in an unprecedented time, and we need unprecedented help. So God, you might say, in advance, prepared the way, not only with the rosary of his most beautiful and holy mother, but now this rosary of the angels, we call the chaplet of St. Michael the Archangel. Of course, God is prophetic. God stands outside of time. 
He saw what was about to happen, and he's given to the Church this marvelous grace of the Chaplet of St. Michael. And I would say it's the perfect way to surround your families with all nine choirs of angels. So this is really one of the main reasons why we want to use this. We're in a spiritual battle unlike any other. We're living in unprecedented times, and we need unprecedented help. And help is on the way. Help is here. But remember, we as God's sons and daughters, that we have free will. And so it's really up to each of us to engage in the battle and to use our free will and say, God, I'm on your side. I want your help. In other words, we need to call out to God for help, especially through his mother and her rosary and through Holy St. Michael and his chaplet. We need to utilize these gifts that God has given to us because we are what Pope John Paul called free actors, free actors. We have free will. We are acting in this drama of the greatest battle in world history, and we have to make a choice. What side will we be on? And to choose not to fight is already a choice. To choose not to fight, you're going to be drowned in the battle that's coming. And so this is very, very apropos, even for teenagers, by the way, who themselves are attacked day and night by the media and by so much of our school systems are really corrupt, so many of our school systems, teaching our young people there is no God. Or that sexual immorality is not only okay, but it's actually morally good. Mm-hmm. And so our beautiful young people, they need this chaplet maybe even more than we do. So all of these are various reasons why that I believe every priest and every religious, every father and every mother and every teenager should consider praying this chaplet on a daily basis in addition to the rosary to surround us with those light-bearing messengers called the angels, who are both wise and precociously strong. They can protect us and guide us where we need to be. Wow. That's wonderful, Father. And I know it's been two weeks, so we've got a little bit of a gap, but there are the closing prayers to the Chapel of St. Michael. Could you lead us in those prayers now? Yeah, maybe intro a little, too. Yes. What we did um, two weeks ago is we prayed the main body of the chaplet, where we prayed one Our Father and three Hail Marys in honor of each of the choirs, the nine choirs of angels. And that, by the way, is a Catholic doctrine. It's actually defined. It's in the Summa of St. Thomas. So we know there actually are nine choirs, or you might say nine groupings of angels. Seraphim were the first ones, the cherubim and the thrones. Then the dominions, the powers, and the virtues. Then the principalities, the archangels, and the angels. Those are the nine choirs. That last one is simply called angels, and most theologians would would add the word guardian. They think that's really where most of the guardian angels come from. The last choir, number nine, is the biggest of the nine choirs. It contains most of our guardian angels in that choir. So those are the nine choirs, and we said one Our Father and three Hail Marys in honor of each choir, and each one had a special grace to bring to your family. The first one, the seraphim, brought charity, you see. Uh, The third one, the thrones, brought holy humility. The fourth one, the dominions, brought to us purity and chastity. The eighth choir, the archangels, they bring us an increase in faith. We don't want to lose our faith now. This is the time for us to double down on our faith. So each choir has an an amazing gift for us. And I would just mention right off the bat that for your beautiful listeners, that you can find the instructions for the chaplet and the virtues for each choir on the Internet. In fact, EWTN, too, has a beautiful website, and they have it printed on their website as well, the instructions for the chaplet of St. Michael. Mm -hmm. So after praying the main body of the chaplet, one Our Father and three Hail Marys nine times in a row for the nine choirs, Then we get towards the end of the chaplet, and we're asked to pray by St. Michael for our fathers in a row. And they are in honor of the four angels that are mentioned by name in sacred scripture. There are four angels actually mentioned by name in the Bible. And those angels are, of course, Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and lastly, 
the guardian angel, our own personal guardian angel, even Jesus mentioned them, that their guardian angels are watching. There is my Father in heaven all the time, seeing the Father as they guard us. Jesus mentioned that in the Gospel. So those are the four angels that we're, we can call out by name when we're praying publicly. And there are other names of angels, but they're not fully approved by the Church. There's one, though, called Uriel. He's mentioned in some of the apocryphal literature. And I'm sure he's an authentic angel. But when we pray publicly, we just use the ones that are contained in sacred Scripture. And they are the most important ones, too, by the way. So what we're going to do now is pray for our fathers. First, we're going to honor Holy St. Michael, who defends you and I and our families from all manners of darkness, all of that, day and night. So in his honor, and really in thanksgiving to him, we offer the first Our Father. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In honor of Holy St. Michael, our brother, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Now, in honor of the second guardian angel, the second great angel, his name is Gabriel. So he's called Mary's angel. And Gabri, by the way, in Aramaic, Gabri means strength. And El, of course, is the ancient Aramaic word for God. So Gabriel means the strength of God. Mm-hmm. And that's one angel I call upon a lot, that I would have his strength in my priestly ministry. I think teenagers need the strength of St. Gabriel to stay holy, you see, in their daily lives, his strength. So we'll offer now in our Father in honor of holy St. Gabriel. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Then we pray the third Our Father in honor of the healing angel, Raphael. Of course, so the listeners know, Rafa is an Aramaic word for either healing or maybe more precisely, medicine. And so Raphael would mean the medicine of God. Of course, he's in the book of Tobit. And he's an angel that brings to you and I healing graces, even physical healing. Many miracle reports of Raphael's intercession around the world. So now for healing graces for all who are listening right now and for our family members, in honor of St. Raphael, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And the fourth, our Father, is in honor of our own personal guardian angels. Some of us may even have more than one. For instance, if you have a special mission in life, maybe if you're a priest or a deacon or a nun, or if you're the mayor of a city or the president of a country, you'll have a special guardian angel extra to help you in those special, uh, very important duties. For all of our uh, guardian angels now, we pray one more Our Father. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Well, team, then to actually conclude the chapter of St. Michael, uh, there's a beautiful medal of St. Michael uh, that begins and ends the chaplet, and normally we would hold that medal in our hands and pray the two closing prayers. They're actually exquisitely beautiful, these two prayers. The first one, they were composed by St. Michael himself. The first one is in honor of Michael, asking for his protection. And the second one is in honor of the Most Holy Trinity, of God himself, who created the angels and gifted them to us. 
So we can pray those two closing prayers now. Okay. So first, in honor of Holy Michael. Team, do you have it there in front of you? Yes. We do. Okay, then hopefully we have the same translation. There are several <laughs> translations. <laughs> They're very similar, of course. Little words are changed here and there based on the translation, but we'll do our best. So here's the, we'll do the closing prayer together to Holy Michael. Oh, glorious Christ Prince St. Michael, Michael, Chief and Commander of the Heavenly Host, Guardian of Souls, Vanquisher of Rebel Spirits, Servant in the House of the Divine King, and our Admirable Conductor, you who shine with excellence and superhuman virtue, deliver us from all evil, who turn to you with confidence and enable us by your gracious protection to serve God more and more faithfully every day. Pray for us, O glorious St. Michael, Prince of the Church of Jesus Christ, that we may be made worthy of his promises. Let us pray. And here's the closing prayer in honor of the Holy Trinity himself. Almighty and everlasting God, who by a prodigy of goodness and a merciful desire for the salvation of all men, has appointed the most glorious archangel, St. Michael, Prince of your Church. Make us worthy, we ask you, to be delivered from all our enemies, that none of them may harass us at the hour of death, but that we may be conducted by him into your presence. This we ask through the merits of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, that's the end of the chaplet, but there is now a tradition worldwide to tack on to the end of the chaplet the traditional prayer to St. Michael that was composed by Pope Leo XIII. It's a beautiful prayer. It's an, it's an awesome tradition. So while it's not official, it's a very good tradition to follow. So we'll say that prayer that we all know right now. St. Michael, the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl throughout the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Now, gang, can I interrupt for a minute and share with you a true story about the chaplet of St. Michael? Oh, please. Right. Absolutely. It's coming to my mind. I've shared this a couple times in public. One of the joys of my priestly ministry has been to be trained um, as an exorcist. And that's not really a bad job. It's actually a joyful job. Because I get to see God's chosen people come in, you know, you might say enslaved or in bondage sad, perhaps, and miserable, and then using the special prayers of the Church and the command of the priestly authority, of course, with the bishop's permission, to see somebody set free completely in front of your eyes, miraculously, and to leave smiling. Mm-hmm. And, and that's job satisfaction. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> you know, see somebody come in miserable, including kids, and they leave rejoicing with a whole new life in Christ with a new love for Jesus, who just set them free. Now, that's an amazing ministry. And I have noticed that when I'm at certain meetings or conferences with my fellow exorcists, that they are the happiest bunch of men in the world. Really? It's really interesting. You would think it would be very somber and serious. Are you kidding? All of the priests that I work with in the exorcism ministry, they all carry the rosary in their hands, and we're always smiling. Because we get to see the victory of God himself, in the name of Jesus, applied to his people in real time. Mm. And that's an honor and a joy. I was thinking of a particular occasion when I was, was asked to 
fly down to Belize in Central America some years ago under the previous bishop. And I used to be the full-time exorcist there in that country, in the diocese of Belize and Belmopan in Central America. So when I was transferred back to the United States of America to do like a traveling ministry right now, I received um, I received calls from Central America from time to time from the bishop or other priests who needed help with somebody who might have been possessed. So I was actually attending a conference in Florida when I received a call from the bishop down there, and he asked me if I would fly down. There were two teenagers who were possessed by evil spirits, and they were in a, a school down there was causing great fear to all their fellow teenagers and throughout the whole district of that part of Belize. It's a small country, so news gets around very quickly. So I said, yes, I would, and immediately a friend was actually sitting with me when the call came in at a conference, and he was a a wonderful fellow. He said, Father, I'll buy your ticket. I said, well, thank you, because I have a vow of poverty. So he bought me the ticket immediately right then on the line. And I flew down to Central America the next day. And to make a long story short, my team met me at the airport, and they drove me out uh, to pray over the two young people. And I told them to bring them to the local Catholic Church so we could pray within the Church in the presence of the Eucharist. So my team drove me there, and it was nighttime, and it was kind of a, a funny, almost a dramatic scene. It'd be good for a movie. Because in the middle of nowhere, like in the jungle, this little tiny Catholic mission church, it was dark, and the weather was getting bad, and we arrived there, and it looked almost like, like a spooky movie, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And we got out of the, the van, and first thing I did was I had my team with me plant 100 St. Benedict medals right then and there around that chapel. <laughs> so I sent part of my team inside to start some some preliminary prayers, and with my, my, the rest of my team, I walked around the outside of the chapel with more than 100 medals that were already blessed with an exorcism blessing, and we printed them all the way around that chapel. That was like an inspiration from the Holy Spirit. And that medal is extremely powerful. It's recommended to plant those medals, at least four of them, in the four corners of any Catholic property, whether it's a home, a church, or a business. And it literally binds the evil spirit from causing trouble on that property. It's an ancient Catholic tradition. And so I had more than 100 medals with me. This was a a full-fledged exorcism at the request of the bishop. So I planted 100 medals to bind those evil spirits, because they were having very dramatic manifestations all the way around the church. It was powerful. Then I walked into the back of the church after we had all the medals planted. That's like my safeguard for what we were about to do. And as I walked in with my team, the two teenagers sitting in the very front row of this little mission church, one on the left, one on the right, with approximately five to seven men around each one, because they were so strong when the demon would react, they could actually lift off the floor, levitate in the air. And they were so strong that, like, just a little skinny teenager, one was a boy and one was a girl, but they were awesomely strong when the spirit would take over. So we had five to seven men around each one to keep them under control. They were sitting there, and of course they were facing the front of the church. I came in from the back. And this was was remarkable. When I walked into the church um, as a priest and as an exorcist, the two teenagers reacted explosively. That's very interesting Mm. because they could not see me. They were looking the other way, and I walked in very, very quietly. I always wear sandals. I have my sandals on. They couldn't see me or hear me, yet when I stepped into the back of the church, a full-blown, angry, growling manifestation, and all seven men had to pounce on each one of them to keep them from like going into full-fledged fighting gear, you might say, or fighting mode. That was interesting. It shows you that there was certainly there were demons inside of them. The demons were aware of my presence, though the teenagers weren't. So as I walked up, and here's the point of the story, I got up to the front, and of course I'm there with permission of the bishop, and I have the ritual with me, but every exorcism I find is unique. And it's especially helpful to an exorcist priest, but I would say to all priests and to all Christians, to follow the guidance of the Holy Spirit. 
to have an ear for God's voice and an ear for the angel's voice, to cultivate that, as Jesus says in the Gospel, my sheep know me and I know them, they hear my voice. It's especially crucial when doing an exorcism. So I went up there and I sprinkled both of the children, the teenagers, with holy water, which they had another strong reaction. And I touched both of them with a first-class relic, and of course they couldn't bear it. It actually would burn them. And I went up to the Ambo. I had a wonderful team assembled with me. Twenty-five prayer warriors from that region, plus my own team of about eight. So we had a good, strong team. And they already prayed all four rosaries. So as I began to do the exorcism, I asked the Lord, Lord, which prayer should I use? Which ritual? What would you like me to do? And our Lord spoke to me in this way, and he said to me, I want you to pray the chaplet of St. Michael the Archangel. Mm-hmm. That's a little bit unusual, but still, I mean, God is a God of surprises. And so he can throw curveballs whenever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> and he's always right on target. He throws a strike every time. <laughs> so I said, yes, Lord. And I said, all right, team. I was at the Ambo or the lectern. Would you pull out your St. Michael the Archangel chaplets? Because all of my team members have both the rosary and the St. Michael chaplet. I began to lead all of us in what we just prayed now. We prayed the St. Michael the Archangel chaplet, the entire chaplet. And I'm going to tell you the reaction of those two teenagers was immense, the first three choirs of angels. It was obvious that there was a battle happening in the spiritual realm. It was obvious that God's holy great and mighty angels were coming into the church, and they were vanquishing the evil spirits. And you know, by the time I finished the chaplet with the good people, like we just did, we did all nine choirs, then we did the four Our Fathers, and then those two closing prayers. When we finished the two closing prayers, both teenagers were sound asleep. (laughs) Mm, Wow. Exhausted. Exhausted, been quiet and utterly peaceful. Mm-hmm. I walked up to each one quietly, not to wake them, and I touched my first-class relic. I had a relic of the True Cross, and touched each one with that relic, which they could not bear an hour before. I touched each one with the cross, and actually put it in their sleeping hands, no reaction whatsoever. Mm. If there were demons still there, even though the kids were sleeping, there'd be a strong reaction. It turns out the kids were completely set free utterly set free by the St. Michael the Archangel chaplet in less than one hour from very strong... They had been playing, by the way, with the Ouija board. Mm-hmm. And they became not only infested but possessed by evil spirits by playing with, you know, satanic or witchcraft games. They were completely set free. I did several tests to make sure of that and, of course, stayed in contact with them the next few days, utterly and completely free and, you might say, rejuvenated renewed in their Catholic faith. It was remarkable. And as I finished, I was so um, grateful to God, because it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that difficult. When we got all done, we brought the two children. They were brought to their respective homes. The team left. I prayed over each member of my team, all 30-plus of them, so that if there's any lingering spirit, they would leave free and have them each um, come out to the tabernacle with me so they were blessed by the Eucharistic Jesus. They all went home, and I left finally at the very end, close to midnight with my own team. And what's really funny was that I never saw this before. As I knelt down before the Lord, leaving the back door of the church, I looked up. Just at that moment, I had not seen it before. I looked up, and under the main altar, I've never seen this anywhere in the world, under the main altar, and I only saw it then when I knelt down to thank the Lord, was a statue of St. Michael the Archangel under the main altar. Wow. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. I didn't yes. see when I walked in, because the view was blocked by all the, uh, the adults who were helping me restrain the children. I couldn't see anything around the altar, only as I left. And so I share that with you. It's a true story, and there were quite a few witnesses to this, by the way, public witnesses, of the great efficacy of the St. Michael the Archangel chaplet. Look at that. That wasn't even that hard. If it can set two young people completely free from full-blown possession in less than an hour, what can it do for you and I in our daily life? 
Amen. Yeah. All right, y'all, we've got to take a quick wow. break, but we'll be back with more with Father Jim Blunt on AM 1160 The Quest. Stay tuned. Thank you. This is Father Kevin Peake from All Saints Catholic Church in Dunwoody. You've discovered AM 1160 The Quest, home of listener-supported Atlanta Catholic Radio. Hello, I'm Carol Tearsmith with AM 1160 The Quest, your Atlanta Catholic radio station. The Holy Spirit guided every step in the formation of The Quest, and He is present more than ever in this current time. Our vision is to bring over a million souls to Christ through AM 1160 The Quest, and we need your help today. In March, we postponed our pledge drive due to the concerns of the coronavirus. Our semi-annual pledge drives provide the majority of our operating expenses. During this time, everyone is being called to make sacrifices, and AM 1160 The Quest is no different. We reworked our operating budget to reduce our expenses in an organization that is already almost 100% volunteer. We are excited that we have launched two new local programs during this time, and they are well received by our listeners. Catholic Radio is needed now more than ever to bring hope and peace into people's lives. We need to teach the faith, encourage the anxious, strengthen the weary, and share the good news of God's love and mercy to people in Atlanta and beyond. We have scheduled a pledge drive on May 27th to 29th for five hours per day to maximize our normal programming. The reality is we have bills to pay and we need your help as we are a 100% listener-supported station. Will you please consider making a donation today and invite your friends and family to join you in support of this critical mission? To donate, you can go to thequestatlanta.com and click the Donate button. God bless you and thank you for your support. Join the Quest for Shelter and Peace on Wednesdays at 11 a.m. with Mari Cleveland and comedian Josh Harris. Shelter and Peace, helping us to focus on Jesus through discussions of scripture and stories of hope. Wednesday mornings at 11 on AM 1160 The Quest. St. Padre Pio once said, Love the Madonna and pray the rosary, for the rosary is the weapon against the evils of the world today. All graces given by God pass through the Blessed Mother. Blessed Pope Pius IX stated, Give me an army saying the rosary, and the world will be conquered. Through the rosary, we follow Mary on a journey through the milestones of Christ's life. The rosary's extraordinary power has resulted in countless miracles. In 1945, as the bomb dropped over Hiroshima, eight priests living less than a mile away miraculously survived and suffered no radiation. Their building remained standing among complete annihilation for hundreds of miles. They attributed this miracle to the fact that they prayed the rosary faithfully every day in their parish house. We invite you to join the quest at 1 p.m. on weekdays during the month of May for a call-in rosary. Listen and pray with people all over Atlanta. For details on how to participate, visit thequestatlanta.com. Thank you for joining us this afternoon, everyone. We're broadcasting from the AM 1160, the Quest Studio this hour. I'm Annie Porter, and in studio with me, I have Carol Tearsmith, Jack Tyson, and Steph Ike. And on the phone, we have Father Jim Blunt with us again today. Hello. Hello. Hey, Father. It's Steph. Um, Hi, Steph. Hi. I am still blown away from that last story. You know, when you uh, told us about the uh, medals... And putting the medals in the ground, I wrote down Father's Ammo. Yeah. <laughs> but you took us to Belize, and yeah. uh, and in our mind, uh, we could witness you doing an exorcism for two uh, young teens, yeah. and the power, using the power of St. Michael and his chaplet. And you had all of us, you know, just on the edge of our seat. So thank you very much for that beautiful story. And it's it's a true story, and it's yes. a beautiful story. I, I can't wait to go back and listen to it again on the archives. That's wonderful. So yes. thank you for giving us that real-life story. Oh, you're welcome. And, Extraordinary. Yes. The power of the angels. Yeah, it sure is. You're, By the way, it was a that. revelation to me, too. Oh, yes, yes, you know to use I mean? the chaplet. That's right. I had the ritual with me, the ritual for exorcism approved by the Church, mm-hmm. which only a priest can use, of course, when he's, and he has to be approved by the bishop. I had that there with me. When the Holy Spirit, you might say, interrupts me, or I say, Spirit, what shall I do? How shall I start? Like with a rosary, for instance. And he spoke to me and said, pray the St. Michael chaplet. 
So it was God teaching me. You see, I was in edification. So for me, it was a revelation as well. A wonderful tool for every priest in the world to use as well. If there's somebody in his parish who's troubled, just pray the St. Michael chaplet for them. They might well be released simply by praying your chaplet. Mm-hmm. Of course, wow. it's good for all moms and dads to pray for their children. Yeah. Yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. Well, you mentioned earlier a reference to sacred scripture and finding the presence of angels in sacred scripture. Do you think, would you mind commenting on the significance of angels? And maybe if I throw out a few uh, examples, could you talk to that and why they're important? Sure. I mean, that's that's a win-win, the <laughs> angels with the scriptures. <laughs> okay, good. I thought you'd think that. Um, how about the angels at the Garden of Paradise? Or angel? Yes. Was it one angel or multiple angels? I'm trying to remember. Well, that's the first question. Um, it depends on the translation. Sometimes when you're translating from one language to another, especially in the ancient language, um, there can be difficulties in getting an exact translation, because words can have varied meanings, including masculine and feminine or singular and plural. And so some translations will say that the Lord assigned the cherubim, a cherub, but others say, for instance, I was looking at the New Jerusalem this morning, which is an approved translation of the Bible, and it has the plural. And mm-hmm. it said that it says, He banished the man. This is in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. And it says that God, He banished the man, that's Adam, and in front of the Garden of Eden, He posted the cherubs, plural, mm-hmm. and the flame of a flashing sword to guard the way to the tree of life. And so it's either singular or plural. We don't know which one it actually was. I would say, I would not be surprised if it was plural, because God, first of all, is plural. God is three, you see, Father, Son, and Spirit. And when he makes us into a church, we are plural. We are priests and nuns and lay people, and there's a lot of us. We are plural as well. So, in other words, God loves family. He loves teamwork. He loves family. Because that, that is at the heart of his nature, which is love. It's hard to love by ourselves. We have to have someone to love. So the angels, too, they work in choirs and in teams frequently. So I would not be surprised at all if there were, and maybe are, several cherubs there right now guarding that place. Where is it? Well, the saints um, and the mystics, they believe that the Garden of Eden is actually in North Africa, believe it or not, in North Africa. Not too far from the Holy Land. Israel, of course, is, you know, is right northeast of Egypt. You know, Israel mm-hmm. abuts Africa, basically. So it makes a lot of sense that it would be there. But that's where most of the saints and mystics thought it was, and I believe we even received some revelations about that. It's hiding somewhere, you might say, in the jungles of North Africa. And, of course, it's guarded by the cherubs to this day, we believe. And they have the gift of invisibility. So even if you and I were to stumble upon it, let's say we go there next week on a pilgrimage, and we go to the right place, we just may not even see it because there is a certain grace called invisibility. And that St. Thomas describes and explains that in the Summa, this gift of invisibility, that God can keep things secret or hidden, even though we're looking right at it. Mm-hmm. But that's where we think it might be, and we think there's at least one, if not a whole team of angels guarding that gar- that garden in paradise. And so what does that say, though, about angels? It's best to get our doctrine from the angels, or about the angels, from the infallible and inspired Word of God. Of course, always discerned by the magisterium, always discerned by the Church. And so here... We see the angel, he's guarding the, the Garden of Eden, or Paradise, and what he's doing is he's implementing or enforcing God's command that Adam and Eve were told they had to leave Paradise. They were um, very, very disobedient to God's direct command, and they brought chaos into the world. And what we're seeing today in 2000, in 2020, we're seeing the full-blown fruitfulness or manifestation of that chaos even now. 
of disobedience to God and the Ten Commandments. And so they could not remain in the garden where things had to remain in order and in peace and in beauty. They couldn't stay there, even for their own good, for their own safety. So the angel is enforcing God's law. And it calls to mind this truth, of course, it's a a glowing, eternal truth, that the merciful God is a God of justice. Justice, by the way, is not bad. It's certainly not evil. Justice is the foundation of mercy. There can't be mercy without justice. And so justice, you could say, is God is fair. God is righteous. God is true. The angels enforce God's decrees for the good of man, you see, for the good of man and for the the glory of God. So we see that the angels are extremely, um, they are just themselves. A true follower of the Christian religion, a true follower of Jesus, has to be a just man or a just woman. We can't, like, break the laws or the commandments of God freely and think that we're still a true follower of Jesus. The Lord says, if you love me, he says, obey my commandments if you love me. So we see from this passage that the angels, they obey God, and they enforce his rules. They have the power to enforce the decrees of God, and they will, protecting God's majesty, and even protecting us, you might say, from falling deeper into sin because the unholy should not enter the holy. Ah. Well, we've got time to ask you another one, and I'm wondering about Jesus at the Garden of Gethsemane. There was an angel sent there to to Jesus, right? That's right. We can find that um, in the Gospels, in particular in the Gospel of St. Luke. We see that in the 22nd chapter. We have there this... uh, Let me just read it for you. He says, Jesus withdrew from the apostles about a stone's throw away, and he knelt down and he prayed. Mm -hmm. There's a first clue now for another teaching about the angels, that they come when people pray. Even Jesus, when our beautiful Lord Jesus prays, angels come. And he said, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, let your will be done, not mine. Jesus surrendered himself in his prayer to his Father. There's a second lesson, that when we pray, pray with surrender. Jesus surrendered to the Father's will. The very next statement in that verse, verse 43, Then an angel appeared to him. Then an angel appeared. So when we pray with uh, submission to God, with surrender, might be a better word, then we open up the gates of heaven. That's when angels can flow down freely, you might say, when we pray, because they adore God's holy will. It's been truly said, uh, I think of Louisa Picaretta in particular, the servant of God, Louisa Picaretta, and her approved books on the divine will, that it's really my will, the human will, that's the cause of all misery on the face of the earth is self-will. All of my misery, all of my sadness comes from self-will. But God's will, of course, is divine, but his will is perfect and glowing, beautiful and joyful, and leads man all the way to paradise. It brings fruitfulness. So when we pray for God's holy will and surrender to that will, that's when the angels who live to do the will of God in whom, in their own little holy hearts of the angels, the will of God reigns supreme, it calls down the angels immediately. And so there in the Garden of Gethsemane, interesting, we're in the second garden. In Genesis, we're in the Garden of Paradise. Now we're in a suffering garden to reverse what happened in Eden. Now we're in another garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, and another angel comes down. Then an angel appeared to him, And it continues, coming from heaven to give him strength. So we see this new function of the angel is to give Jesus and all of his sons and daughters strength. Mm -hmm. And so I want to call out to all of our listeners, don't despair. I know what it's like, you know, to be weak, 
to be sick and can barely even get out of bed sometimes, or to be under attack unjustly. Those are horrible things to go through. And indeed, God has to allow me to go through moments of weakness. He has to. And it's very simple. If I don't, then very quickly I begin to think that I'm God. When I'm always in control and always powerful, things always go my way, very quickly presumption slips into my spirit. And I forget that I'm not God, that there is a beautiful God who has all authority and all wisdom, and I'm his, his child and his follower. So weakness is, is a gift from God. And when I have the gift of weakness, then it compels me to look up. See, without that, I tend to look down on everything and everyone when I'm always strong. And I sort of live under an illusion, you see, that I'm Superman. But when I'm weak, I look up. And that's where God reigns. And so the gift of weakness is something beautiful. And when I give my weakness to the Holy Trinity, to God, in the name of Jesus, the first thing he does, he sends you an angel. And you may or may not see him. And the Bible today is very clear. It says the angel appeared to Jesus. Indeed, angels can appear to us. Of course, that's an apparition. They may well appear to all of us, perhaps like at one special moment of our lives. Most of us have at least one very special moment like that. Perhaps they will, or maybe in your dream. But what is certain is they will come. And so this gives you another clue to the ministry of the angels. Like God, they have hearts of immense compassion. The holy angels and true Christians, we are men and women, and we are angels of love. Boy, you sure gave us a lot of gems today. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Always. Yeah. Uh, we've got a few more minutes, but uh, I wanted to ask you about an announcement that you you mentioned from the Pope. Is that... Yes. It's sort of hitting the airwaves all over uh, yesterday and today. But His Holiness, Pope Francis, is inviting the whole Church to join him this Saturday, just like a few days from now to pray the Holy Rosary in union with Pope Francis. I'm sure Pope Benedict, our retired Pope, will also be praying with us. But to pray the Rosary this Saturday, and that would be at 11.30 a.m. for those of us in Eastern Time. I'm in California right now, so it'll be a little bit earlier here. But 11.30 on the East Coast, to join with Holy Father, Pope Francis, to pray the Rosary of the Virgin Maria, the Virgin Mary for the world, and in anticipation, he said, of Pentecost. Mm -hmm. So the Feast of Pentecost is the very next day, this Sunday. It's that awesome feast day. It's actually called the birthday of the Church. Pentecost is our birthday, and our birthday is coming up on Sunday. But you see, the Mother of the Church, the Bride of the Holy Spirit, and the Queen of Pentecost, her name is Mary Most Holy. She's utterly beautiful, and she's filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's why we call her, and in a true um, term that's used by the Church, it's an infallible term, Mary is a mediatrix of all graces. Not some, all. So all the graces that our Lord sends to the Church and sends to you and I and to our families, they come through the radiant heart in the hands of Mary. God loves his mother so much that he has joined her, completely united her, to his holy will and to his work of redemption in the world today. She is a gentle but all-powerful messenger. So the Holy Father is asking us to join with him and with the Blessed Virgin Mary, even all of our Protestant brothers and sisters. And if there are Jewish brothers and sisters listening, they too can join us, because Mary was a Jewish maiden. And pray with Mary, our Jewish maiden, but our the princess and queen of the world, to join with her in invoking the Holy Spirit, that this will be the most glorious Pentecost of our lives. Mm. And Pope Francis seems to be saying, never before has the Church and the world needed the Holy Spirit ever before, like now. Mm. <laughs> like, we're, like we're drying up, you yeah. see, like a desert. The Holy Spirit of, is the living water. So Pope Francis wants the living water to flow like never before. Mm. 
over every country of the world, because it's precisely the Holy Spirit who gives us all of these gifts. It is He who converts human hearts. We speak the word, yes, but it's the Spirit who has to enter the heart of man and convert us. He's the one that set us free. I may pray, but it's God who actually does the exorcism. God, the Holy Spirit, comes down from heaven and does the exorcism, sometimes bringing, of course, the holy angels with him. Because the Holy Spirit, he's like the, we call him the principle of action in the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit. He's called the principle of action because he, is, he moves, you see. Mm-hmm. He moves himself and he moves our hearts to love what is good and to do what is right. And we are dead without him. Without him, I'm like a cemetery. Without the Holy Spirit, I'm, a, I'm like a Catholic cemetery full of, you might say, dead man's bones. I may know the faith, you see, in my mind. Well, that's wonderful, but it's not enough. And here's why. It's in the book of James, by the way. The devil knows the faith, too. It's not enough simply to have faith and to know the faith. The devil has faith. That's from the infallible Word of God in the book of James. The devil has faith. The devil knows the faith. He knows the catechism. In fact, once, when I had to do an exorcism years ago on a young man, the demon in that young man recited the Bible to me backwards. Backwards from the book of Revelation on. He started from the back. It was unbelievable. He knows it in Latin, too, by the way, in Latin and in English. And so what I'm getting at here is it's not enough to have faith, because the devil has faith. It's not enough to know the faith, because the devil knows the faith, too. We have to live the faith. Amen. Well, Father, unfortunately, our hour has come to a close, but we are so thankful to have you on again with us today. Oh, thank you, Father. This You're welcome. Amazing. Thank you, too. And could you give us a closing prayer and blessing? Sure. Why don't we pray for the traditional prayer, invoking the Holy Spirit, because his, his feast day is coming on Sunday. Let's invoke the Holy Spirit now and ask Our Lady, the Bride of the Holy Spirit, to pray with us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful, enkindle within us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit, and we shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, you did instruct the hearts of your faithful, grant us by the same Holy Spirit that we may be made truly wise, and ever rejoice in his consolations. To the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia. And I'm going to stretch you one Hail Mary, because she's the bride, that she will be with us to give us the greatest Pentecost of our lives. Oh, boy. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners. Spread the effect of grace of thy flame of love over all of humanity, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the unutterably beautiful God, through his holy and beautiful mother, fill all of our listeners this Sunday with the fullness of the flame of the Holy Spirit, who alone is our life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father. Thank you, guys. And thank you, everyone, for listening to your Atlanta Catholic Radio Station, AM 1160, The Quest, this afternoon. Be sure to stay tuned as the Divine Mercy Chaplet is coming up next. In today's world, cybersecurity is critical for your business. Award-winning Versprite provides solutions to protect your company from hackers. For protection now, see Versprite.com. That's V-E-R-Sprite.com. The Quest thanks Versprite for their support.
Do you have a friend or family member who's seeking to grow in their spirituality? Know someone who's fallen away from their faith? Why not invite them to listen to AM 1160 The Quest? We offer a wide variety of the most prominent voices on Catholic Radio. There are four great ways to listen to The Quest. On your radio at AM 1160, online at thequestatlanta.com, on your smart speaker, and on the Quest Atlanta app. Please invite a friend to listen to AM 1160 The Quest today. This is the home of listener-supported Atlanta Catholic Radio, AM 1160, The Quest, WCFO, East Point, Atlanta.